Thank you for tuning in to the Victory is Greater Than the Struggle, an ex-lesbian podcast with myself, your host, Jessica Newsom. So today I want to talk to you guys about the flesh, because when it boils down to it, no matter what we struggle with, whatever that reoccurring thing is, that thing that just keeps coming back, maybe it leaves for a season, maybe you seem to have the victory over it for a season, but then all of a sudden, it seems like that perfect storm happens, right? And we begin to struggle with that thing again. It's all about killing the flesh, right? So when we are in this world and we're born into this world and we are becoming who we are as people in general, um, whether it's our environment that shapes us, um, our DNA that's infused within us, the 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 different um, things that maybe the, our parents and our, our grandparents before us, the things that they struggled with, we find ourselves picking up those bad habits. So we learn those bad habits along the way of this, just this journey of life that we all live, uh, are, are walking through. Okay. And so when we come to Christ, we have to begin to learn to kill the flesh. Now we aren't going to literally kill our flesh, like rip our flesh off. no, but what it is, is saying, you know what, I am going to um, seek God, I am going to follow God, I am going to uh, soak up all of who he is and let those things, let his character, uh, let his characteristics, his personality become infused in who I am. And the result of that is that we are changed. We become uh, this new creation in Christ Jesus. We begin to walk in that newness and no longer do we um, live by the flesh. No longer do we have that mindset that we used to have. Maybe, you know, we used to be quick to anger and, you know, the moment someone says something we don't like, we'd snap off at them, right? Like whatever that case is. But the more we soak up the things of God, the more we seek God and allow him to just really just uh, uh, take over the inside of us and we become more like Jesus, those things, those negative things begin to fall off. So in your life, maybe uh, uh, you struggled with anger and the more you follow Christ, you just notice that you aren't as angry all the time. Maybe, you know, you used to curse a lot and then God just kind of convicted you. And so you began to just say, you know what, I'm going to work on that area. All of this is saying, you know what, I'm going to work on that area. Why? Why do we say, I want to work on that area? We say it because we want to be more like Christ Jesus. We say it because we want to line ourselves up more with who God is, who he's called us to be. Why? Because by, by following him, by allowing him to transform us, we begin to see how much better our lives are because of it. It's like we begin to walk in this life with new eyes, I guess. You know what I'm saying? Like a new way of seeing things. We begin to say, man, the happiness that the world gives is nothing compared to the joy that God can give me, that he's given me. So as we follow God, we receive salvation, right? As we seek God, he begins to 
convict us. He begins to speak to us and just kind of let us know, hey, these certain areas in your life, I want to work on these areas. I want to tweak these areas. I want to take out some of these things and I want to replace them with more of me so that you are transformed, right? Into who I've called you to be. God didn't call us to, to be lonely, to be depressed, to be down, uh, downcast. He didn't call us to be, um, angry all the time to set our eyes on material things. He didn't call us to, to seek pleasure and treasures in, in man and objects, things like that. No, God has called us into his fullness. He has called us into all of who he is, what he's actually created us to be. But now we're walking out our lives with him, trying to discover and uncover what that exactly is. And if we do not allow God to kill our flesh, we'll be forever stuck. We'll be forever in this vicious cycle um, of just going back and forth of following God, not following God, struggling with this specific sin, not struggling with it. And then just the enemy making you feel bad about all of it. The enemy just reminding you, quote unquote, how much of a horrible person you are. You're never going to change. Your life is always going to be this miserable. And none of that, that is not of God. That's not who he's called us to be. So he says, you know what? What I need for you to do is allow me to kill your flesh. Otherwise, your flesh will be the death of you. So when God started to speak to me, when I first came to God. Yes, I was, I was homosexual and I did not think that that was something that needed to be changed at that moment. Um, I did have these other struggles, depression, suicidal thoughts, alcohol abuse. I had all these other issues that was really just bringing me down. Okay. That doesn't mean that living a lifestyle of homosexuality does the same thing. Um, well, sorry, doesn't do the same thing because it does. There's some sins in our life to where we look at it like, well, it's not bringing me down. It's not, uh, not causing me joy. I'm fine with it. But just because you feel fine with it, just because it seems like everything that glitters is gold pertaining to that sin doesn't mean that it's not killing you spiritually. It doesn't mean that it's not separating you from from the, from the life, from the person that God has created you to be and an eternal separation. We don't want that. Right. And so in my mind, as just a flesh driven person, homosexuality wasn't even a big deal to me, but the alcohol, the depression, the suicidal thoughts, all those other little, uh, um, internal things were big struggles. And so I came to God, right? And so he started working on me. He started working on the drinking, the smoking, um, and just my heart in general, right? And as I allowed him to do that, what does that even mean, allowing God to do that? It means I spent a lot of my time reading my word, being hungry for him, because I had this glimmer, I had this this knowing on the inside of me that it is only God who can change me and my heart and make me better and make me whole and complete. And so I started seeking him with everything I had. 
I, man, I read like at least 20, 30 books about God, about just the things of God. I would just eat church up. I'm talking about every day that the church was open for prayer, for Bible study, for services. I would be there not because I had to, but because I had this hunger to, this desire to. It was a desire to know God and to allow him to transform me because I was sick and tired of living this life of, of minimal, living this life of lack, living this life where I acted like I had things all together on the outside and in front of people, but behind closed doors, when I'm at home in my bed by myself at night, I'm crying. I feel depressed. I feel this, this void on the inside of me. I was tired of it. And so as I sought after him, he began to really just fill me up with himself. It was, it was a me emptying myself of myself, my understanding, the way I think about things in life, the way all of the knowledge that I have as a person, all of the smart, uh, all, all of the things that I thought made me smart and knowledgeable, all that stuff. I said, forget it. I'm going to like, God, take it away. I'm emptying that. Fill me up. Tell me how to think. Tell me how to act. Tell me how to believe. Like I want all of you. I want less of me. And that is where the transformation began in my life. Now, in the beginning, it felt pretty easy. It did. But as I continued to grow throughout the years, it started to get a little bit more difficult. Why is that? I feel like when we come to God, he really, really helps us a whole lot. He does a lot of the hard work, but as we grow, he's like, I want you to learn to stand on your own two feet because if someone, if the enemy tries to push you down, I want you to be able to stand, to, to stand back up or not fall at all. Right? So, so we have to learn and grow. So he's going to give us more opportunities to, to apply his word so we can see that transformation so we can see that his word actually works. And the more we do that, the more we stand, the more we withstand the, the temptations and the fiery darts of the enemy, we begin to grow as people and say, wow, this, this whole armor of, of God in Ephesians six, man, that stuff really is true. It really does work. It's not just in theory. Or it's not just a myth. And you know, a lot of this stuff in the Bible is a figure, uh, is a figure of speech. As you grow in God, you realize that none of it is a figure of speech. You realize how to put the Bible in proper context. You realize how to, how to walk in those, um, in the authority that God has called you to walk in. And you're like, wow, this stuff really does work. The problem with the church today is that we think a lot of this stuff really doesn't mean exactly what it means. We look to it. We look to the Bible more as a guideline, uh, uh, a loose guideline as to how we should live instead of, um, instructions of how we have to live in God in order to walk in that fullness, in order to, in order to be the person that he's called us to be. So many of us get sick of the church because the pastor talks about breakthrough and all this stuff, you know, and God's going to give you this and we see none of it. Why is that? We get sick and tired of coming back to church because we aren't seeing that breakthrough in our lives 
But what we as the church should be talking about a whole lot more is the application of the word. Calling sin as it is, sin. And saying, you know what? There, the, these things that we are allowing in our life, it will bring us nothing but death and separation. You want God's fullness? You have to be obedient. Okay, so being obedient to God is a constant desire for him and seeking him. You may not feel that that hunger and desire for him on the inside of your heart, but I'm not talking about following your feelings. I'm talking about making a conscious decision to do what God is telling you to do so that you can be who he's called you to be. So it's that constant seeking him. I don't care what you feel. Our feelings don't dictate how we should live our lives. That's flesh. So we're putting our flesh aside and we're saying, what does the Bible say to do? Constantly seek him in everything. Today I went to a dentist appointment and I didn't get up early enough to, to spend that time with God the way I wanted to, right? And so normally when that happens, I'm like, okay, I'll do it tomorrow. But the Holy Spirit kind of just touched me and said, why do you have to wait for a full complete hour to be set aside for me? And if you don't have that hour, then you don't do it. He's like, you could do this right now. Yo, I put on my worship music in the car. Um, I love the, what is it called? Um, Nashville, my God, Nashville prayer room sets. I think it's like legacy something. Um, they're phenomenal. Like they lead you into worship and just prayer and spending time with God. Anyway, I put that on the car. And I'm just spending time with God on my way there, on my way to Starbucks, on my way to Five Guys, and then on my way back home. Like, I'm spending that time with God. Can we spend constant time with God while you are doing nothing at home? Can you just talk to God and put him at the forefront and just say, God, please just empty me of myself. Fill me with you. What do you want me to do right now? Like, spend that time with him. With, with him. We have to seek him. Two, we have to hunger for his word. We can't just get by on these crumbs. You will be malnourished if all you're eating is crumbs every day. But you want to be healthy, you want to be full, then you need to have the whole thing, the whole shebang. You need to spend time in the word of God, not just listening to a verse of day on you version. That's not going to get you anywhere. You need to open up that Bible. If you have a um, an app, fine. But you know what? I'm not even big on the apps. Get a Bible. Open up that book and read it. We are so lazy half the time. I'm speaking to myself because there's areas in my life where I'm super lazy. Okay. And so it's trying to say, you know what? I'm not going to live in that place of just being lazy, making excuses anymore. I'm going to open up that Bible and I'm going to spend some time reading it. Read a chapter, two chapters, and just kind of mull over what you're re uh, reading. And then another thing when it comes to killing the flesh, it's seeing our need for him. So many of us do not see our need for God because we have, quote unquote, all that we think we need here. And if we think we have enough, we kind of just put God on the back burner. So many times people will call me and they're just like, man, this bad thing happened. I see my need for God like they're broken. And they call and they're just like, Jessica, I need you, right? I talk to them. I minister to them, right? All of this stuff, it's good. They see, man, you're right. 
this is what I need to do. And they apply it for a little while. And then when things get better, they kind of wean off of it and totally walk away from it. And they go back to how they used to live their life with Jesus, with, with the Bible just being a couple of crumbs you pick up every other day. Him not being your foundation. And we as Christians, especially in the United States, we are horrible when it comes down to keeping God the center of our life. We have everything else at the center except for God. So how do you expect for our flesh to die, to walk in the fullness of God, if God is not the center of our life? It's not going to work. I'm sorry. You may have a form of God, but not the God enthroned on the Uh, in the heavens, not at all, but we blame God for our lack when the issue really is us. It's not him. And so what is, what are those things that rise up against the obedience of Christ? What are those things where it's just basically our flesh has taken over and we are living by our flesh and we are not killing our flesh? It's that thought process that says, I know better. How many times do I talk to people and in their, in their moment of brokenness, They're like, yes, I get it. And all of a sudden they start preaching. I'm talking about they will say everything that I'm going to say. In your brokenness, you know what you need to do. You know what you need to let go of. You know what's toxic to you. But when things start to get better, all of a sudden you flip the script and you make excuses and you justify keeping the very things that God is telling you to let go of. It's people. It's pornography. It's, it's, it's watching certain TV shows. It's certain friends, right? It's, um, not knowing boundaries, whatever those things are. Okay. And I think that a lot of us fall into that trap of, I know better. We may not say I know better than God, but our actions always say, I know better than God. They do. You can say what you want, but your actions Always speak louder than words. The second thing is following our heart over obedience. Man, this world we live in, people are so big on follow your heart, follow your heart, follow your heart. It makes you happy. Follow your heart. And that will be the death of us right there. If I was to follow my heart, I would be dating a woman right now. If I was to follow my heart, um, I would be drinking probably. Um, if I would follow my heart, uh, I just be probably hanging out with people I shouldn't be hanging out with having fun, right? Like flashbacks to college, right? I'd be having fun. If I was to follow my heart, my heart is that thing that just kind of tugs on me to, to pull away from the things of God and follow the things that would make me feel better or things that I would feel would make me, um, just better in like, like bettering my life or whatever, like following those negative patterns that I think would better my life, but it doesn't better it at all. And so following our heart oftentimes leads us away from God. And so it's following the word. Again, it goes back to seeking God, following the word because our heart can deceive us. Our natural carnal mind can deceive us. We will rationalize things and do them because we feel like it. 
Our heart will put us back in bed with someone who is very toxic, someone who we are not married to, someone of the same sex. Following our heart will lead us away from the things of God. It's saying, I'm going to kill my flesh. I'm going to kill everything that rises up against the obedience of Christ Jesus. I'm going to kill those things. I'm going to not follow, not listen to those things, turn from those things and obey the word of God in my life. Now the word of God, the, the Holy Spirit, right? Will will just kind of just kind of tug on us and be like, no, we probably shouldn't hang out with them anymore. It's that it's that it's that tug on the inside of you, that silent, that that quiet, gentle tug that's speaking truth. It's like when your parents tell you as a kid, hey, don't you play out in that street? And then as a kid, when you go and play out in the street, what happens? There's something in your mind that goes, you shouldn't play out in them streets. You're going to get in trouble. And you're playing out in the streets, but all you can think of is your mom's voice and how much trouble you're going to get in if you get caught. You can't even enjoy playing out in the streets if she's inside the house because you know you shouldn't be doing that thing in the first place. It's similar to the Holy Spirit. You know deep down you shouldn't be doing it. But as a kid, you're just like, well, there's no cars coming, so it's okay to do it. You rationalize it. But your mother is telling you because she cares about you, she loves you, and she knows that not every uh, time you're, you're going to hear a car. You're not going to hear a car every time, you know, a car is not going to see you every time. And all you need is that one time to get in trouble. That one time to get hit by a car. You don't need two or three. You need one good time. And you're like, dang, I ain't going to do that again. How many of us ignore God, do what we want to do, get burned, get hurt, get, uh, get frustrated, fall backwards and we go, man, I ain't going to do that again. We don't need to learn everything the hard way. We don't need to fall flat on our faces, experience that bad thing in order to say, okay, I'm going to follow God now. The last thing, happiness over faithfulness. It's kind of like following our heart, but we think oftentimes that we need to follow the things that will make us happy. Let me tell you something. Um, being single is not always fun. You know, you have these desires in your heart. You know, you want to get married. You want to have kids, all that stuff. And so you look at singleness as a death sentence, right? I, I do not like it. I do not like being single, right? But I'm, a, I'm not taking that into my own hands, if that makes sense. Because I could go get somebody but I don't want just anyone. Does that make sense? Like I would rather have someone that God has prepared for me instead of me going out and getting someone and man, that being a whole ripple effect. I don't want that. No drama. No, 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 no. There's enough drama in marriage. There's enough drama in that. Why would you want to compound that thing by, by, by doing it on your own and, and, 
getting into a relationship with someone who's not for you. So many of us get into relationships with people who aren't even Christian and we're hoping that we can change them. Come on, get out of here. And what happens is we end up falling away from God. We stop, we stop going to church just a little bit. We stop doing this just a little bit, right? We have to stand for what we want. What do you want in your life? Do you want in your life to, to be a follower of Christ Jesus and to, to experience his fullness and to walk as he's called you to walk, then be obedient. Stop making excuses for yourself. Like stop making excuses so that you could feel temporary happiness and pleasure that will have a ripple effect in your life. Don't get mad at God for your life and where it is because if he took a mirror and held it straight up to you we would back down real quick from that we would see the areas in our life that we have been needing to fix that we've been ignoring God's like you aren't waiting on on me you aren't waiting on me I'm waiting on you so we have to kill our flesh otherwise our flesh will slowly kill us spiritually and we don't want that we want to walk in all that God has for us so stop listening to every negative person that tries to get you to sit in your sin because you think that God can't change it how many people are out there that says God cannot deliver someone from homosexuality and that and that that person cannot be happy, whole, and free in God walking in heterosexuality. So many people. But there's a whole lot of people that says, wait, God did it for me. So can God do it or can he not? I think the dilemma is the fact that there's a lot of people. They may say that they were so obedient and that they were following God. And he didn't do it. But let me tell you something. You do not know their personal life. You do not know what they were doing behind closed doors. The friends they did not let go of so that God could refine them and prune them. The sexual temptations that they were still intertwined in. The pornography and masturbation. The, 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 the lack of allowing God to renew their mind that they were involved in. You have no clue. It is us that separates ourselves from the promises of God. Only us. Hope that you guys enjoyed that. Please, if you want to donate to this ministry, it helps me to do what I do. I have the pleasure of uh, speaking to people one-on-one who contact me via um, our website, Love at the Cross, and just speaking to them one-on-one, helping them um, to walk out of homosexuality and basically just linking arms with them, uh, along their journey. If you want to donate to that, please, uh, there's a little link somewhere. Okay. Um, and that's about it. I love you guys. I'll see you next time.